you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. You guys look fantastic. I got to tell you, you look way better than first service. I'm proud of you. You did phenomenal. I'm so glad that you're with us. If you are here for the very first time, you picked the right place to be. And I'm excited to share with you today. I've got just a few things to to chat through. And I I believe God wants to do something unique in all of our lives. I want to just remind you, though, for those of you that are here for the first time, those of you that are family, you've been here for quite a while this is kind of like a conversation, only I'm the only one talking, but you can, you can give me some feedback. It lets me know what you're thinking. So if you're feeling it and you think something is said that's great, you can say, yeah, try that out. Yeah. So good. Now, if you think something is deep and profound, say, wow. wow. See, I already feel encouraged. I feel so encouraged. And if you don't like it, just stand there quietly, sit there quietly and say nothing. And I'll just dive into just depths of depression and I'll just be in. No, I'm kidding. So let's try it again. Say, yeah. Say, wow. wow. Awesome. Great, great, great. You guys are doing a great job. I'm, I really am excited to share a few things with you today. I will be here for probably another 30 minutes or so. And, and I just want to challenge you and encourage you. I, I don't know what your journey is like. I don't know what you came in with today. Maybe this is the greatest season for you. Maybe you're just in the midst of the best week or month or year of your life. Or maybe you're here and you're just not really... You're not really here, but you're here because you're walking through so much that it's overwhelming. And then there are some of us here today that aren't really sure what it is that we believe. And can I just tell you, if you're here and you you fit into that category, you're not sure what it is you believe, you have permission to belong before you believe. In fact, I'm not asking anything of you except just to open your heart. And that just means to be receptive. Another way that I like to say it is just... Just give God permission to rearrange the furniture of your life. I mean, you're already here. We're only going to be here for a few more moments. Why not just say, okay, I'm going to open my heart, my mind, my ears to hear and receive whatever it is, God, that you want to do in my life. And I believe this. I believe that none of us are going to leave here exactly and perfectly changed for the better but I believe God can do something miraculous in our life now look at me for a moment you've already experienced enough mundane and mediocre for a lifetime so why not open our hearts to God to possibly do the miraculous I'm going to pray for us now would you do me a favor just bow your heads and close your eyes as we dive into this God I thank you that you're here And, and really God We kind of just pray this prayer like children, and all of us are there. None of us have everything figured out, and none of us have this all put together, but we all need you in a unique way, in a profound way, and and I'm grateful that you're a God that knows where each of us are at right now, and I pray, God, that you would speak to us. So we open our hearts and our ears to hear and receive whatever it is that you want to do today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, I'm excited to share a couple things and one verse in particular to kind of start this off. It is Easter Sunday and today I'm going to be reading some different passages from the Word and 
They'll be on the screen behind me. If you would like to follow along, you can text the word notes to the number on the screen. It'll shoot you all the information I'm going to preach about today. It's kind of a spoiler alert, a sneak peek as to where we're going. But I want to read one passage of scripture that I think is so profoundly important for you and for me on Easter Sunday specifically, but for every day of our life. It's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says this, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Let me just tell you and unpack what that means. That the Spirit of God is referring to the power of God. So in other words, the amount of power it took to raise Jesus from the dead is still alive and active today and is living in you. And that's important because you don't just have to celebrate Easter. You can experience Easter on a day-to-day basis. I love how the passage continues on and it says this, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. In other words, he brings dead things to life. He brings dead things to life. The things in your life that feel as though they're dying and wasting away, God wants to do something miraculous within those. And so you don't have to just celebrate Easter, you can experience Easter. Here's another way to say that the resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between the life you're living and the one that you could live. That's worth a wow right there. I mean, that's really good. Whoa, apparently not. Awesome. Let me read that again. The resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between the life you're living and the one you could live. Whoa, does it feel so much better now? Listen, and that's the the scary thing about this is that so many of us are haunted by the notion that the life that I'm living is not the one I'm supposed to be. The place I am right now, the things that I'm walking through, the challenges that I face, Some of us walked in this room today haunted by the notion that this isn't the best for me. That there's more out there. And so, so many people work tirelessly within their own strength and their own power to close that gap. But the problem is God is the only one capable of closing that gap. That's why we exist as a church. Not so that you can leave here with every Bible verse memorized, knowing how to pray eloquently like a pastor can, but no, merely to close the gap between where I am currently and where I have to go. What God has for me. And so that can be overwhelming at times. So really we want to as a church just simply help you take your next step. Not to become a perfectly formed and functioning follower of Jesus, but just take your next step to close the gap between the life that I'm living and the life that I could live. And here's the good news for you and for me today. The great news, rather, is that God is in this journey with you throughout it all. He's in the beginning, the middle, and the end. Just as the scripture that was read on the screen during the worship journey, John 1.1, it's one of my favorite passages of scripture. It starts off in the New Testament. John begins to write the story of Jesus, and he says it like this. Verse 1, he says, In the beginning the Word was... I'm sorry, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That, uh, that talk, when he's talking about the Word, he's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. I love that. He's saying that since the beginning of time of your life, God has been here. 
The verse goes on to say, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Listen, Jesus was there in your beginning. He was there in the beginning. He created you. He created me. He created humanity. And in its infancy, Jesus was there. And that should be good news for some of us today. Think about how great the beginnings are. Think about how great new things. Anybody in this room ever purchased a brand new car? Raise your hand. There is nothing like a brand new car. I'm not talking about a used car. The smell of a brand new car is just a shade below heaven. Can I get an amen from some people? Like you try to get the new car scent if you go to a car wash, and it's never the same. When you get a brand new car, you wash that sucker every week, right? There's a girl in our church. She's got five boys, four sons, and one husband. She bought a brand new car, and she told them they cannot ride in her car for the first six months. How many of you know that's exactly what I would say too, right? We're washing that sucker every day. Any of you in here today into shoes? Anybody like shoes? Raise your hand. Come on. There we go. I love it. The the rest of you are lying. You get a brand new pair of shoes and you hug people from a distance. You don't want them to step on your shoes. Like your kids come up, you say, you stay back there. Don't come near my new shoes. Can I get an amen from some people today? You ever been shopping on Amazon and the option comes up to purchase what you want brand new or there's a used item for just a few dollars less? You're like, get that behind me, Satan. (laughs) And unless it's prime, I'm not even looking at it, right? Right. Y'all know. Now I feel like we know what we're talking about here. New is unblemished. It's in perfect condition. It's a fresh start. It's exciting. It's unknown. It's a blank canvas. Endless possibilities. When you first start dating. Oh, remember that? Some of you are like, man, I've been trying to date. Just keep swiping right. Just keep on, just keep swiping. None of y'all? Okay, we'll move on. Remember the butterflies and the excitement, the thrills and the chills, the nervous anticipation that you hate and you love all at the same time? Do you remember the time, the first time you held your girl's hand? Let me just tell you that story. For me, it was in the movie Liar, Liar. Any of you old enough to remember that Jim Carrey film? And she put, my wife was my first girlfriend. Just stop making fun of me right now. She put her hand out on the armrest, just held it open for me. And I knew the whole time, the whole time. She was waiting and I was so terrified. I reached for it so quick, it jerked her arm out of socket. She still can't even use her left arm anymore. You remember, remember, you know, maybe, I don't know if some of you have experienced this, but you ever just held on to a brand new baby? We got some pictures. We got to show you before we move on. Look at this. Oh, that's scary. I think she knows this baby. Look at, oh, look at that hair. Oh, we got a couple more. I'll just wait till we go through. That's baby Milo. He's perfect. He's not mine, but he's perfect. You remember babies, you just, like, you hold them on your chest and you just smell them. It sounds creepy. You're like, Ain't nobody holding their smelly 13-year-old son and say, let me just let you sleep on my chest, right? Nobody's doing that. That's just gross, right? When they hit 13 and they don't realize they smell yet, right? Like, hey, I need deodorant. Why? I don't understand. There's something about, there's something about new. Things are always good in the beginning. Marriages rarely fall apart in the beginning. Rarely fall apart. They call it a honeymoon phase. Everything is amazing. Most students don't quit school in kindergarten, right? 
Most entrepreneurs don't shut the doors of their business in the first few weeks. The beginning stage is the fun phase. It's when we're dreaming big dreams and we're creating new things and everything seems possible. And can I just tell you that God is in the beginning. He's the giver of dreams, the creator of creativity. And he cares about new beginnings. He's all about new beginnings and fresh starts. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, it was amazing. Today I'm going to kind of just briefly go through the ministry of Jesus. You can find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John in the New Testament of the Bible. And in the beginning of his ministry, everything was awesome. Things were changing everywhere he went. Man, people showed up. I mean, his first miracle was turning water into wine. I mean, my goodness, this guy, there was something about him. He would show up and thousands would flock. He would be walking, talking, and preaching. And then all of a sudden, out from amidst the crowd, a blind man would show up and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus would walk over and immediately the blind man could see. There were moments when Jesus was preaching in in a room full of people and this hole opens up in the sky above them in the rooftop and a man is lowered on a stretcher before him. The man had been crippled for his whole life. And Jesus takes the man by the hand and says, rise and walk. Jesus is walking on the streets in Galilee and a man runs up to him and says, my daughter is dying. Please come, have mercy. The Bible says that Jesus went with the man, and as he got to the home, the people that were there gathering to mourn came out and said, don't waste your time, she's already dead. Jesus said, why don't you guys step on outside the room? He grabbed the little girl by the hand and said, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she lived. He would show up and thousands would gather. There was a moment when he had some Hawaiian rolls and some tilapia. I almost passed out Hawaiian How many of you just love Hawaiian rolls? Can I get... Man, y'all feel this spirit now? Like, you can just eat those. They're like... A, they're, I call them marshmallows for adults. You can just pop them. Like, it doesn't even matter. We all need to go get them on our way home today. Yes. He took a couple of Hawaiian rolls and some tilapia. 20,000 were gathered. He said, God, you do something. And 20,000 were fed. I mean, this was awesome. The word is spreading. The world is watching. It was new. But how many of you know it doesn't always stay new, does it? Then we hit the middle. We hit the middle. And things change in the middle. Things changed in Jesus' ministry. In the beginning, there were followers coming left and right, and in the middle of his ministry, people were starting to leave. Some of the original followers were no longer following, and he was saying things that in the time and in the day were truthfully scandalous. Counterculture to the entire civilization that he was reaching. He was saying things like, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. While the culture grew up in this thing that said, you can love the people that love you back, but those that are wrong, you should hate them. And Jesus is shifting The way that culture sees things. There was a rule in place that if a Roman soldier or citizen came up to you as a Jew and said, can you carry my luggage? You were permitted or required by law to carry it with them for one mile. How condescending and patronizing and humiliating. And Jesus said, I would encourage when asked to carry that for a mile, why don't you go ahead and take it 
two miles, which is where the saying to go the extra mile comes from. He was saying things like turn the other cheek. The people who were listening were getting frustrated and leaving. And not only that, not only were there people getting frustrated and abandoning and leaving him, but now there's a group of people who actually began to hate him. And how many know haters are going to hate, hate, hate? <laughs> Anybody? I don't, okay, we'll move on. Some of you are singing Taylor Swift right now, and I need to just pause for a moment. And we need to, I'm kidding. A group of people is, is getting so angry with him that they're now actually plotting to kill him, to end his life. Listen, you may not be able to identify with all of it, but you can identify with the challenges and the struggles of going through the middle of life. Listen, we buy clothing to hide our midsection. Can I get an amen? That's why this jacket is on here. My shirt's too tight, but this jacket covers a multitude of sin. Can I get an amen from some people? Right? When, when men hit middle age of life, they go through a midlife crisis. Some of you have been through four of them. We're praying. No, I'm kidding. You know, some of us, we hit that mid, middle section of things and we can't remember the last time we washed our car. Right? In the beginning, we wouldn't let trash sit on the floorboard for more than 7.8 seconds and now there's this rank smell of dairy coming from the back. Are y'all tracking with me? You know what I'm talking about. We're praying for you too. The middle begins when the new wears off. And the middle is when we begin to measure our success. And if you're anything like me, that can be a disappointing conversation with yourself, can't it? You ever been to that place where you're like, man, I just thought I would be so much further along by this point. I just, I thought things would be so vastly different. And as I'm faced with the reality of my circumstances, the gap between where I want to be and where I am isn't just frustrating, it's disheartening. It's in the middle where comfort settles in. It's in the middle where I feel stuck. You ever felt stuck before? Pressed from every side as though... The future is just an impossible distance away. And the middle is the easiest place to get distracted. Check this out. The middle is when we often create new dreams because we're discouraged that we didn't reach the ones we had so long ago. Wow. It's in the middle where most people give up on their faith in God. It's in the middle where we face challenges that are actually beyond our control. You ever been to that place where you feel stuck and it wasn't because of decisions you made? Maybe it sounds something like we've been married for seven or ten years desperately wanting children and yet it's just not working. Maybe you're a high school or college student or in junior high and you find out that your parents' marriage isn't what you thought it would be and now you think it looks like they're heading towards a divorce. My child is in trouble again. Or maybe 
You look back at the beginning of your marriage and you remember the day that you planned and you spent more money than you thought and you walked down the aisle with that man or with that woman and you looked each other face to face and you exchanged vows that to you were sacred. To you, they meant something. To you, it was till death do us part. But the one standing across from you years later hasn't held sacred to those vows. You ever been in the middle and it was painful, not because of decisions that you've made, but because of circumstances outside of your control? Or maybe you're more like me. And the pain of the middle section of life is a direct result of the circumstances and consequences of your poor choices. That's my life. I don't know about you, but I'm really good, especially in my younger days of making really poor choices. It's in the middle section where we feel God is so distant. But can I tell you today, can I encourage you? No matter how far away God feels, he's in the middle too. One of my favorite verses because I had to cling to it. And I use that word intentionally. I don't mean just like, oh, I'll say it when it makes me feel better. I mean cling to it like it's a lifeline. It's found in Hebrews. And it says this, that he, you actually, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That word forsake means the desert. To desert someone. To give up on someone. Or to let someone sink. And God's saying, I will never forsake you. Have you ever been at the place where you felt like any of those adjectives? And it's interesting that we often allow our experiences and our perspectives to have a profound effect or shape on how we feel God views us. So here I am in the desert of life, stuck and frustrated. And so I just assume naturally that God is as frustrated with me as I am with myself. Or I feel like giving up and so I assume that God has probably given up on me. Or I feel like I'm sinking, overwhelmed by the waves of life as if I'm just taking my last breath and God probably just walked away as if this is the only reality that I have. But the verse says the opposite. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never, look at me, let you sink. I will never give up on you. I will never desert you. You know, it's interesting. I think that we don't realize God wants good things for us. We, I, I, honestly, I believe that we have this image of God as the proverbial kid with the magnifying glass over some ants. Have you ever been that kid? Don't lie. Right here, hand raised. Nobody else. You're all liars. Thank you. I appreciate that, Garrett. Awesome. We'll, we'll have a support group after service. Often we think God is like that, like he's just waiting for us to screw up, just waiting for us to fail. I think sometimes because we are always anticipating a failure around the corner, so we assume God is doing the same thing. But God wants great things for you. I love what Matthew chapter 7 says, and the writer, he depicts God in the image of what a father to a son would be. Check this out. Or which one of you? If his son asked him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, or 
human, imperfect, flawed. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Another verse that I have clung to so dearly in my life is 2 Peter chapter 3. And I love it because I, I, I'm not, I couldn't be more honest with you that I, I really have a series of, of chapters in the book of my life and maybe you can identify that I, I would love to rip out and destroy if I could. And, and I, I've got chapters that I would never want any of you to ever read because of the shame that it brings. And I just would often think and pray, God, is there still another chance for me? There's no way, because if you see the depravity of my decisions, then there's no way that you could actually ever want great things for me. Because it wasn't as if I just made a poor choice once or twice, but I've got a lifetime of them. And there's this verse that would come back to my mind. Over and over again. It's found in 2 Peter, and some of you need this today. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. As some count slowness. Look at that. But He is patient towards you. Wow. Patient. You can't out God's grace. You can't outrun his love. And even though it might feel like the middle of life, he's in the middle, waiting for you. One of my favorite verses, I don't have it up for you today, is in Revelation 3.20. And it's this picture of Jesus. He says, behold, I stand at the door knocking. I stand at the door of your heart and your life, knocking, waiting for you just to open the door of your life to me. And it never says knocking for a week or a month or a year. He's just always knocking, never giving up, never deserting, never abandoning. He is always there. We all know what follows the middle, and that is the end. Many of you have experienced the end in life. Have you ever been at the end of your rope? You ever had someone tell you it's over, there's no hope? Have you ever felt like there's no future? Or perhaps like me, here I am again? You know, it's interesting that It dawned on me in preparation for today that one man's beginning can actually be another one's end. Let me explain. In the last few weeks and months around here, it seems like we're having babies on babies on babies. Every time I turn around, do child dedication, there's like 782 babies up here. And that's exciting, isn't it? We get the little onesies, we do showers, we celebrate the beginning of life unless you're that mom who isn't a mom yet, but you've been praying. 
you just desperately want to get pregnant and you just don't know what the deal is but you can't and every time somebody shares a new beginning of a child it's new for them but for you it's a reminder of the end or maybe you've desperately been wanting a husband or a wife and everyone around you seems to be getting engaged and they have their own hashtag it's a thing now tried to figure out what ours would be It'd be like Robert Loverson and it was just weird it didn't make sense if you don't know what that is blessings get on Instagram and you see the engagement pictures I don't know how we do it now I mean just everything's a picture look it's a light put your ring on it it's good take it now And every time you see the picture, you're just thinking, man, am I not good enough? I just, I'm looking for someone that's right. Mr. Right, Mr. Wrong, anybody at this point, one man's or woman's beginning can be another man or woman's end. And here we find Jesus in a similar scenario. Three years into his ministry, the crowd has turned. In fact, his haters have rallied people against him, raised false allegations against him. The one who stood for love, and he never hid. That's what's so interesting about Jesus. They had to pay his closest friend to betray him, and yet Jesus was never out of plain sight. Now he's being beaten and mocked and whipped. And not in some glorious, exciting fashion. It was devastatingly awful. If you were a disciple, this is not how you thought things were going because you started to follow him because he said things that you, have, you felt so strongly about and there was this conviction on the inside that maybe this would be the Messiah who would establish his kingdom and overthrow the tyranny of the Romans and we're waiting for him. Just say the words, I've got swords and spears, let's do this thing. And now Jesus, he's on trial. They're not letting him go. This is not what I pictured it to be. A crowd is rallied and talking poorly about him. And I would imagine the disciples were looking around the crowd and picking out people. Wait a minute, aren't you the uncle of the girl who was raised from the dead? Aren't you the best friend of the one lowered, the lame man who walked and... Weren't you the neighbor of the girl who was dead and now lives? You were there when he fed all those people. And why this? Why now? Maybe he'll get away from this thing. Maybe he'll use words and, and he'll change this. And, and he'll calm the storms or call down angels from heaven. But instead of the sound of war, they hear a chant rising from the crowd. Crucify. Crucify him. Crucify him. And in peace and in mercy and the embodiment of grace, he stands there. He does not defend himself. But he recognized the road that's ahead of him. 
and the price that must be paid. This doesn't change. It's not shifting. And they place a cross and they put it on his shoulders and they make him walk down the street of Jerusalem. How humiliating. To the place called Golgotha. And they crucify him and nail him to a cross. And this wasn't some simple punishment of death. You know, it's important to note that Jesus could have paid the ultimate price at any time in history. If he'd done that now, it would have been lethal injection. But he chose a time when corporal punishment was at its worst. This is the end, isn't it? This is the end. In fact, some of the words that Jesus spoke at the very end before he breathed his laughs was, it is finished. This is the end. And to the disciples, it was the end of the rope. He wasn't establishing his kingdom. It is over. Hope has lost. Have you ever been there where hope seems lost? Maybe it was the signing of divorce papers and you remember when the fights began, but you thought maybe there's redemption. Maybe we can work this out. And here we are signing these papers. Maybe it's when a loved one has passed and is gone. When bankruptcy is declared, a relationship is over, the dream is dead. It feels like the end. It seems hopeless like the cross. But that's not the way that the story goes. The cross was merely the means to an end. The Bible says that Jesus willingly chose the cross. The punishment, the agony, for the consequences of the sins of humanity. For your sin and for mine. A price must be paid. And you get this. If you don't, just speed past the police officer and tell me how that works out. A price must be paid. The cross was merely a payment. The cross wasn't the end. The cross was not the end. It was just a prelude to the beginning. You see, the Bible says that he died for our sins, was buried, and three days later, the reason we celebrate Easter Sunday, the stone is rolled away, and behold, an empty tomb. Why? Because Jesus was risen from the grave, which means death no longer has its sting. It no longer has its hold, which means he brings dead things to life. He awakens hopes and dreams and future. He awakens purpose. The cross is not the end at all. The grave is the beginning and that's what only Jesus can do. He can take what seems like the end and create a brand new beginning. And that's what God wants to do in your life right here, right now, today. He doesn't offer resurrection in life. He is the resurrection in life. I love what John says. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Everyone who believes in me will never, ever die. Look at this. Do you believe this? It doesn't say eradicate your past. It doesn't say become a member of a church. It doesn't say think good thoughts or put out good vibes. I don't even know what that means. It just says... Believe, believe, believe. Philippians 3.10 says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power 
that raised him from the dead. Hey, look at me. What in your life needs to come back to life again? Have the dreams died? The passion? The purpose? When you wake up in the morning, do you feel more discouragement and overloaded? Or do you feel excited about what life has to offer? All of us have a next step to take. And God has great things in store. Why? Because he's a God of new beginnings. He's a God of new beginnings. If you're here today and you would say, you know what? I need a new beginning. Would you just raise your hand? No one, no shame. No, anyone, everyone. There we go. Hands going up all over. Let me pray for us right now. God, I just thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you that you're the God of new beginnings. That you have great things for us. Great things in store. A hope and a future. But God, we don't want this to end here and end right now. God, we want to experience the fullness of life that you have for us. Do something miraculous in, to, and through us now. We're leaning on and expecting you to do what only you can do, and that is to be God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Normally we would close out our service a little bit different, but today's Easter and we get to see all of your faces on one Sunday. It's one of our most exciting things. And I believe that there's a next step for each of us in this room. And I want everybody to help me with one process real quickly. In your seat, in your worship guide, is a card like this. I want everybody right now, from the front to the back, tech team, pastors, pull this out and grab a pen. It's on your seat right now. Even if you're just patronizing me and you're not going to fill it out, that's okay. And here's what I'd ask you to do. On the back, there's a place to fill out prayer requests. There's information here. And I would ask that you fill this out. But in the bottom are four boxes. And I'm going to give you a chance to fill this out in just a minute. So hang tight. Just make sure you're holding it. Let me tell you what these boxes mean. Box A, right there at the top, it says this. I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. If you're here and you've made a faith decision to follow Jesus with your life, and that's you, whether you've done this for weeks, months, years, or decades, then I want you to check that box. Box B says this, I'm beginning a real relationship with God today. And for some of you, what that might need to say is, I'm beginning a real relationship with God again. Some of you walked in today and you knew I've got to do something today to change my life. And for you, that decision is just to say, I'm going to begin this journey with Jesus. Some of you have been flirting with your faith and running from God and today's the day to come running back. That third box, number C, or letter C says this, I'd like to consider it a bit more first. And listen, if that's you, we as a church, we exist for you, for everybody on this car, but I want you to know you take your time. Maybe you need a few more weeks or a month to figure things out. And that's you. I want you to be honest and check that box. And then the last box, letter D, says this. I don't ever intend on making this decision. And that's okay. If that's you, listen to me. I just want you to have the courage to check that box. And here's what we're going to do. If you check box D, you may not like it, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray that God does awesome things in your life. Here's what I want everybody to do in this room, from the oldest to the youngest, front to back and side to side. Hey, oh, okay, move on. I want you to take a minute and fill this out right now. Put your address on there. If it's your first time, you can check that box. And once you're finished filling it out, just go ahead and bow your heads and I'm going to pray and close out our service. 
But everybody take a moment and fill out that card right now. Once you're finished filling out, you can just bow your head and I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. Just let me know when you're finished. And everybody fits into one of these boxes. None of us are exempt. Let me pray for us now. God, I just thank you that you're here in this place. That you've got great plans for us. Exciting things to do in and through us. But God, I just pray that you'd open our eyes to see all that you have for us in Jesus' name. God, for those that check box D today, I just pray that you'd be real, God, to those. No matter what journey they're in or season of life, that you'd just be real in a powerful way. God, for those that check box C, I pray right now, God, that you would do what James 4.8 says, that as they're drawing near to you, God, would you just lean in closer that they'd experience the fullness of who you are in Jesus' name. And now I just want to pray a prayer specifically for those of you that check box B and you know who you are. And right where you're seated, I want you to do me a favor and just pray this prayer in your own heart. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. That you've given me purpose. I want to experience you in the new, in the beginning, in the middle. And I want you to take what feels like the end and create a new beginning in my life. And just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.